Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business and life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back. She did it her way listeners and watchers. If you're checking this out on YouTube, I am so excited because today I am sitting down with Trina Little, who is a YouTube strategist and who has a master's degree in business, helps online owners, business owners develop a YouTube strategy that allows them to scale their business by driving more leads with the right videos. Being a busy business owner herself, she understands the importance of making video simple and effortless, but effective and lasting. Her YouTube videos are her sales team and they do the heavy lifting for free and they're working 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Trina, welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Yay. Well, if you would please share with my listeners in your own words, what is it that you do? And Mm -hmm. then we'll kind of like back up and Mm -hmm. hear your story about how you got there and we'll dive into all the dirty drama and your ultimate leap and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I started pretty much as a YouTube strategist. So figuring out how business owners could utilize the YouTube platform. I realized pretty early on as a, I have a background in business, obviously a master's degree. As I was watching YouTube videos, I saw how powerful it was. And I also saw the limiting beliefs a lot of people had around Mm. YouTube. And so I tried to make YouTube as easy to understand as possible, but also making sure we're creating the right videos that show up on Google that last longer for you because the hardest part about being a business owner has been social media and that rat race. Mm. And so with YouTube, (laughs) they live so much longer. And so being able to help business owners realize if you put the time in the video, yes, absolutely. It takes more time than writing an Instagram caption, but an Instagram post lives for about 48 hours. A Facebook post lives for about six hours, but a YouTube video lives Mm. for about 20 days or more. I have a video from 2018, still getting views to this day, still driving me leads to my email list. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. And like even sharing that statistics makes it a very powerful argument to Mm -hmm. really take a moment and invest in, you know, building YouTube videos. So before you started doing what you do now, take us back to Mm -hmm. corporate life. And what was that journey like for you when you realized you're like, no, this isn't what I want to do. So I worked for the federal government. And even before I got that job, I was still looking at ways to kind of be creative. I didn't want to go that route, but it was one of the biggest employees in my town, but I was looking, okay, how can I be a wedding planner? I was looking at other ways, but it was the safe route. It was the 401k, the retirement, the benefits. It was what everybody around me said I needed to do. Mm. And I knew going into it, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I tried to make the best out of it. I came in at the time as an intern. So there was all these opportunities for training and and creating a community around these interns that were coming in. And I tried my hardest to get engaged, but it just, it didn't happen. And I just wasn't something that I enjoyed. So it wasn't too long till I just started showing up to work pretty much like my soul was being sucked out of me. And once I had my daughter, I realized I can't make her think this is Mm. normal life. Like Mm. for you to hate your job, for you to go every day to something you hate, for you to come up with an excuse on why you're sick so you can take a sick day. And Mm. so it just got to the point I thought, you know, if I keep doing this, it's going to affect my mental health. And so, and what year was this? If you don't mind me asking in 2015, she was born in 2015. So I convinced my husband, I watched a webinar 
about creating courses and I convinced him, Hey, if I can do this, I can get my income back. And so I quit two weeks before Christmas. I gave them my two weeks notice and I left that job New Year's Eve on 2015. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is it. That is incredible. (laughs) And I feel like so many listeners can relate to you and we've had so many previous guests share the same kind of aha moment, especially like as you become a parent, you really start to look at your time way differently in terms of, okay, mm-hmm. can I, if, if I'm not going to spend time with my little ones, then mm-hmm. what is it that I'm doing? And I want to make sure that I love what I'm doing. And that is just all recapping what previous guests have, ser- have shared. I, I don't have kids yet, hopefully someday soon. Um, and I knew, I knew I needed to do something like props to all the stay at home moms. I have multiple friends who are stay at home moms, but that wasn't my calling. I knew I couldn't be a stay at home mom and not have something of myself. So I, I never wanted to just quit my job. I needed to have something and I wanted to do something because I had loved everything that I learned. I worked at an internet marketing agencies in college and I loved that. I just needed to be doing something something that I knew I actually like to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a couple different questions that came out of that. So when you knew you were making your ultimate leave on that new year's Eve, I'm going to rattle off a couple different questions. Like my brain is like, so curious of what was your plan? Did you Mm -hmm. have a specific plan? What was it like navigating a conversation with your partner and saying like, Hey, I could do this. You know, what, what did that look like? Cause I also know for listeners, they probably are thinking the same thing of, you know, how do I navigate that conversation with my partner? If maybe they're concerned from a loving place and they just want to make sure everything's fine. Like would really love to understand what that conversation looked like thinking about it. I'm not sure if I had a plan other than I was going to go through this course and it was going to be the magic bullet. Right. Mm-hmm. I did have, I played a little bit with some client work. I had done like some Instagram management for some people because as I was learning more about this online world, obviously I had the disposable income at the time because I was living in an area with such a small cost of living. And we had, my husband and I both had great jobs. I was able to buy some of these things. And so I was learning things and I was reaching out to people. So I had done a little bit of client work, but I don't honestly think I had other plans. And I put all of my eggs in the basket of that Mm. program, which I highly recommend not doing. Um, (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, I'm going to ask you about that afterwards. (laughs) I, yes, but I, I don't know if there was necessarily a, a big conversation he could see we were both working at the same area, but mm. with different people. And he knew it just wasn't working out. And like every time I would have like a performance review, I would ask for, can I have more responsibilities? Can I do something more? Can I, and I even switch positions to find a way to like things, but it was just like, I don't know if it's true, but it felt like I was slipping through the cracks and I couldn't fall into the mold of just showing up and doing the work. And like, and not getting more. I wanted to be challenged. I'm an Enneagram three. Mm. I needed something that I was excited about and I just was not. And so he knew, he knew I was finding ways to come up with why I was sick that day to call in (laughs) sick, what excuse I came up with two weeks ago. So I didn't use it again. So he saw it happening. Mm. Um, and so I, 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 like I said, I don't know if there was necessarily a discussion. Obviously I said, I think I need to quit, but he knew just mental health wise, it was not going to pan out if I kept doing this. Yeah. No, I mean, everything that you're sharing about, like sometimes our, our, our bodies really kind of, they are the, the physical demonstration of like what's happening mentally mm-hmm. and being able, like picking up on that and just knowing and kind of honoring that and being able to go, mm-hmm. something's not 
jiving. Yeah. And I will say the, probably the nail in the coffin was when I went back after maternity leave, mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit longer and I had leave to use. And it was just a little bit fluid on how people use leave and they wouldn't let me take that leave for maternity leave. And so mm-hmm. that just kind of put the nail in the coffin. It just left kind of this bad taste in my mouth also with him, because it's like this person on this team is using it this way, but you can't use it on this way. And so then there were no steadfast rules. And that just kind of was like, I don't want to deal with this crap anymore. Like, I don't want to deal with other people telling me what I can and can't do. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Having the autonomy, right? That's, yes. that's the dream. And like, I wake up and this is what I'm choosing to do versus feeling like I have to do that. Earlier, you mentioned that you don't recommend taking a course and going all in. I, like, what was that experience? And uh, yeah, what, ha- what yeah. happened? Yeah. Yeah, I did it. I did the full course. I followed all the rules. I follow because I'm a rule taker. I I follow it all to the perfect T and I launched my first course and I had three sales and one of it was one of my friends who felt bad for me. And so I don't think that one course is a silver bullet, right? I would. And also not all people are like me as well. I will go all in and do it step by step. I, I have the motivation to do it. But if you are a person who doesn't know what to do with their time, because I get this all the time with my students. So like, how do you get so much done? And I was like, I don't feel like I'm getting enough done. And so, yeah, sometimes that course, while it sounds really great on webinars, not always a silver bullet, but it's a great place to start. And if you going to, I think if you are going to invest in a program, you have got to go into it with the mindset. The first time it may not work because since then I've gone through that program again and I've used it to revamp launches Mm. and revamp launches multiple times, but it didn't get me the results I wanted the first time. So you have to also realize a brand new person starting a business, you're probably not going to sell too many courses if nobody knows who you are. There's so many things that I, I want to unpack there too, because I think there's so many lessons and nuggets to be super frank and up and upfront and honest about for anyone who's tuning in. And, and I had very like my mindset too, when I took my first course, I was like, this is the magic bullet. Yes. I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars. And like, it's, and it makes sense, right? Like our brain wants to be excited about all the potential. And we, it's like the four phases of commitment or something, but the first phase is like, we're so excited. And we're like, I'm going to make this work. This is going to happen. We go through the course, we implement, we go through it. And like, even in start of the implementation, it's like, oh crap, Mm -hmm. this like cars going down the road with the wheels falling off. (laughs) And sometimes you're like, okay, well I need a pivot. And so you keep pivoting and then you're like, well, nothing's sticking. Well, it's because you keep pivoting. And so, yeah, I think that like, I love that you said having the right mindset of almost not like looking at it as a way to kind of learn and process. I'm curious, what was your first course? Don't know if I should say. Oh, what I launched? Yeah. Oh, it's called... Was it a YouTube one or brand boosting video? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to commit to YouTube because at the time, no business owners were using YouTube back in 2016. I had mm. only got to YouTube because and realized it when I was researching about being pregnant and I was figuring out what I needed for this baby that was coming and what I was experiencing. And I got sucked into YouTube and Mm. I realized I was trusting these people I was watching more than like a blog post or like what family members were recommending. I was bought in. I was literally bought into this one YouTube channel. She was five weeks ahead of me and whatever she said I needed, I was like, done, getting it, getting it. And that's where I started to see, holy cow, video here on YouTube has a huge marketing pool. 
Yeah. Okay. So one quick comment on taking that course. I've done that too. I signed up for a course like two, three years ago and I went through it and frankly half-ass implemented it. And I was like, meh. And then now I'm actually going back through it Mm. because it's kind of like when you pick up a book and you read it and then you Mm. put it down for a few years and then you pick it back up and you reread it. You're picking out so many things that you're like, did I read the same book three years ago? And so I think that's also another thing to say that even though if you sign up for courses and we think that Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I don't know if like this was the right course or whatever, like never discount it and always refer back to it. I think that's the other beautiful thing about courses too, is that you can always, most courses, if you have lifetime access is like, you can always go back to that. So Mm -hmm. have for sure. And I will say, I think the missed mark that happened was trying to start a business and immediately promise people a course without Mm. like any kind of results, right? I thought that this course was going to show me how to launch a course, but without any of the proven tactics or people talking about it, that's why I think it's really hard to come out of the gate as a course creator, which is what I was kind of pitched. I think you could have probably done the same program, like the same course and launched a service maybe. Mm. And that would have done a little bit better, but to just get people to buy a course without you having any, the thing that did save me, I think the thing that did get me what three sales was being on video. Honestly, Mm. Um, that's probably was the saving grace of those three sales was actually showing up on video already on YouTube. That did help me get the sales that I did. Yeah. Kind of what you said too. Sometimes I think starting a course is the first offer is so glamorous and you're like, yes, I'm going to start this course people are going to sign up. But I think most people that I've spoken to, and I also agree is that you get more leverage when you're starting out by offering either coaching services, or you're doing hourly services, at least just to be in that exchange to build up that track record, to build up that experience so that you know exactly what the transformation is and and how to market. And you know what they're thinking and the beliefs and it, it makes it so much easier. So 2015, it's now 2021. Oh my gosh. It feels like 2019 was yesterday. But how would you describe your past six years in business? Like, how would you describe, like, if you were to label the first year, Mm -hmm. what's like the word that you would put on it? And then how would you describe, you know, either the next few years and Mm -hmm. sort of take us through kind of the growth and your path. And the reason why I ask that is because I think it's important for people who are starting a business to realize that it doesn't just happen overnight. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. always a progression. Usually you see people at the top of their game. They've been doing it for seven to 10 years at least. So Mm -hmm. I would just love for you to share that. First of all, it was a grind. So the first year, obviously I launched that course and immediately felt unmotivated, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh crap, I got to ask for my job back. My saving grace, I still work with her to this day was a client who reached out to me saying, hey, because of me being on video, I started popping up in Facebook groups as, Hey, you got questions about video. Hey, you got questions about YouTube, Trina, Trina, like Trina was Mm. the YouTube girl or the video girl. So somebody had actually reached out to me who, like I said, is a, is a good friend now to start editing her videos and uploading them to YouTube. And that's what kept me going with my business. I don't know, honestly, where I'd be if she didn't kind of throw me the life raft, but also in that year, we got pregnant with the second baby and sold our house in three days. So there was a lot going on in that first year, but literally at the end of the year, which is when we had the second baby, while we were in the hospital, I was signing contracts with clients that were booking me for January. Wow! And so it was a roller coaster of up and down. Uh, And then in 20... 
17 with a newborn and a two-year-old, a grind. Again, I would feel like I wasn't doing enough because I would see other people doing all of these things, but Mm. I I physically couldn't. I had a newborn, I had a two-year-old and I dealt with postpartum depression after the second baby. And so I literally could not do it all, but I felt like I was failing at it because I couldn't do it all. But what was cool, what's been cool every single year is I've been able to double my revenue in my business every year since 2016. Obviously 2016, I just did a video on my YouTube about this. And that, I think that's how we connected. But that first year, I think I made $10,000. That was it. Mm. And going from the salary that I had left, my husband wasn't necessarily pleased about it, but it was just keep going, keep going, like figure out, okay, what's working, what's not, Mm -hmm. what can we tweak, try to put the blinders on, try to stop looking at what everybody else is doing. Because again, a lot of the people I was looking at, they didn't have kids. They were following, they were in that hustle mentality when that was the trendy thing to do. And I was like, I can't, I cannot do that. And so it was, it's been a grind. And I would say 2019, I just did a talk earlier today. 2019 is where I really felt it was clicking. Everything Mm. was on all four cylinders. I was excited for 2020 because 2019 was the first six figure year after Mm -hmm. four years, three years, whatever the math is. So I was so excited. And then we all know what happened with 2020. (laughs) Did that even happen? I feel like that was like a a blank. Well, so love that story. Thank you for taking us through that. And I think it's very real of so much of the grind. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there, especially moms and people like parents with newborns and stuff. And the one thing when you said, okay, I started 10,000, kept doubling, doubling. I think the important thing is, is for all of us. And sometimes I have to remind myself is like where you are and where you start is not where you end. Mm -hmm. And so you have to first make a thousand dollars to make 2000, to make 10,000, to then make 50. Right. And sometimes I think there's this like knee jerk reaction of, okay, I immediately want to make a hundred thousand dollars and it's a great goal, but it's also we have to be mindful to not make it mean that when it doesn't happen overnight, it doesn't mean to stop. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean to, to give up. And so I just love how you shared that progression with us. So take us to like present day. Now it's 2021. What does a typical day look like? Where's your focus and what's been the biggest lesson as a business owner that you've learned so far this year? So Yeah. 2020 has obviously made me totally change the way I do business because I never know. So with 2020, we never knew when we were getting childcare, when we were going to be quarantined, when we did have childcare, if we were exposed, if, if a family member that was watching our kids were exposed. So I had to have a lot of white space in my calendar. I just talked to my students today about this. It's just making sure, you know, what you need to focus on every day. And then if something happens, you can easily move it around because you have white space. So for me, Mm. typically Mondays are my check-in with my clients days. I'm now at a point, fortunately, because 2020 actually was a banner year for us and was our biggest year yet. I was able to hire a full-time employee. And so she's handling a lot of her agency things. So all I need to do is check in on the clients to see where they're at. So that leaves Tuesdays and Thursdays are are my white spaces. I'm working, Mm. but it just depends. What was I able to get done the week before? what do I need to do this week? So I planned in 90 days and I I planned in more specifically 30 days. And and the things I need to get done in 30 days are very fluid because I I just have to be flexible because I never know what's going to happen. And so Mondays are always client check-ins. Wednesdays are always content days. These are days that I write or I Mm. film video content because 
It's the only day the kids aren't home. So I really have to utilize that time period. Other than that, you know, it it is helping come up with client ideas, helping myself come up with ideas, updating course content, communicating with my students. But again, I really just leave Tuesdays and Thursdays as work days, but I have to be flexible because even this week I was trying to shoot videos on Wednesdays. They did construction work out here. There was no Mm. way to film. So I have to be able to move that. I do need to get it done earlier than the next week. So I am going to shoot on Saturdays. I mean, I have to also realize as a business owner, sometimes you may have to work on a weekend. I decided mm. one of the things I decided going into 2020 was no longer working on Fridays. That didn't work, but we're trying it again this year. <laughs> we're going to give it another go <laughs> and try it out. Yeah. That's so great too. And just even, you know, not everything goes according to plan and mm-hmm. it's okay to shift and pivot for that. Um, and I think you yeah. said, what was your biggest lesson? I think one of the biggest lessons is you're going to make mistakes all the time, mm-hmm. but you have to be able to recover from them. Because if I would have mm-hmm. let myself sulk over hundreds of mistakes that I've made or hundreds of failed pages that went up and they didn't redirect to the first, oh. to the next place, I literally would have been out of business years ago. And so I think the biggest lesson is mistakes are always going to happen. Just learn from it and figure out how you can correct it moving forward. Yeah, I think that's such a great, yeah, great reminder. And and I think that like, as we come out of corporate and if we're, you said you're like Enneagram three and a lot of times as high performers, we want things to be perfect. And especially just talking specifically to that transition, it's like, we want to know steps of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We want to know that everything we do is going to be perfect. We don't want to make a mm-hmm. mistake, but then we look at step seven and we're like, oh, there's going to be a problem there. So then we start to spin out on that. But going back to what you're saying is like, there will be, there's going to be misspelled words. There's going to be landing pages that aren't redirecting. <laughs> I'm sure we still have some out there for sure. I mean, we're always trying to find them yeah. and keep up. But the other lesson that I also personally learned is more of humility because I, in the beginning would be like, oh, their landing page, like this is misspelled, right? Like really that was a projection on how harsh and how harsh I was to myself and being mm-hmm. super critical. And so now it's like, if I see a landing page that from, and I don't even have to know the person. I'm just like, Hey, I went here. Just want to let you know, and I've had people message us through Instagram and, and share some of those things of like, Hey, this isn't working. And I'm like, so grateful for that. Right. And like, just know that it's never perfect. What is perfect I, anyway? Yeah. And I try to be, we have calls every week with my students. And one thing that I do is I try to be transparent as possible with them, because that's one thing I wanted my community to be is I felt like I couldn't find the right spot to connect with people or that I was never good enough. And so what I do is I try to be transparent as possible with them and be like, look, this did not go as planned. Like we just did this and it didn't work. And so I don't, I try to make everything that I put out as transparent as possible to stop Mm. kind of fixating on those images that everything is perfect. Like these entrepreneurs, these successful entrepreneurs, they have this picture perfect Instagram life. I try to stay away from it. In fact, I've been trying really hard not to use filters on Instagram because of so many, even hearing the studies about how people are now looking at themselves in the mirror, disappointing because you don't have an Instagram filter. So I've even been trying to not do Instagram filters just to be as transparent as possible. It's hard. I did it yesterday. No hair and makeup, hair straight from the shower. And it's like, oh, I could really just put on this filter and it looks so much better. But yeah, I want to show up as me and I want people to feel comfortable showing up with them because that's what I'm teaching. I'm teaching for you to show up on YouTube as you. And so I'm trying to do that for myself. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, I'm going to try, I'm going to do that. I don't use filters, but sometimes I'll like, well, no, I do use a filter. If you consider like even taking a shot and then you swipe and you're like, Ooh, Paris or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. I'm going to, I'm going to try that. What is the three actionable things you recommend for new business owners when they're starting out? I think in 2021 and beyond, you have got to have video of some sort. Video is here, here to stay. We've been told it's here to stay, but you have got to get yourself on video. I would say that out of all of them, one, two, and three, find a way to show up on video, whether it's Instagram Mm -hmm. stories, going live, YouTube, because the only way people are going to buy from you, work with you is if they like you. Mm -hmm. And the only way they can figure out is if they like you is if they see you on video. And what video has allowed me to do is have enough clients coming in that I can pick the right people. I know Mm -hmm. I'm attracting the right people. If they watch my video and they're like, she is not for me. Fantastic. It's not someone that I wanted to work with. And so video just, it, it does so many important pieces of your business to start making it click, right? It builds your no like, and trust. It builds your SEO. If you're on YouTube, it gets people to know who you are. I just had a statistic that YouTube surpassed Facebook as the number one platform for buying decisions. So people are going to YouTube to make decisions on what they're going to buy. And so I got to say, as the video person, I would say one, two, and three is find some way in your space to add some type of video to get started with some piece that you're comfortable with. Wow. That's incredible. That statistic that you shared about Facebook versus YouTube. And now I I mean, there's another one that's in 2021, 89% of marketers plan to use YouTube video. Wow. Yeah. I've been saying it for years. I have a client that I've literally had for three years and she's like, Trina, I'm so glad we're on YouTube and we have been, everybody's talking about YouTube now. I'm like, I've been talking about it for six years. I'm finally glad that you're like, welcome. (laughs) I told you so like, hello. Yeah. Okay. Even with ads, ads are now not going to work as well because of the ISO update on iPhones. And so Facebook is going to have a hard time with ads because the Apple update is not going to allow you to track people anymore. And so we're really going to get back to business basics coming up and focusing on organic SEO and YouTube video is a good way to do it. Oh my gosh. I love, I, yeah. Okay. (laughs) You, well, we've talked before this interview, so you know where I'm at with like the YouTube in my Mm -hmm. headspace. So definitely going to reconsider that. We'll put that as maybe like a Q3 thing. And Uh, I know, I just want (laughs) to say, I know YouTube seems daunting, but Honestly, what I tell everybody that gets started is your first six to eight videos, let them be whatever it is. I know Mm. a lot of people want to create a perfect strategy before they start. But the thing is with YouTube, instead of getting overwhelmed about picking the right videos and picking the right topics is put out content, you know, already is successful. Maybe you have a blog, maybe you have a podcast, which ones of those were your most popular and just do those because it's not Mm -hmm. until you can get the data that YouTube gives you where you can really formulate and create a good strategy. You don't have the data until you get videos up. And so that tends to take some stress off of people. They realize, okay, these six, seven, eight videos, I can just create videos. And then we can use that information to Mm. formulate a strategy. Love that. Just get messy, get dirty, take action, which is what I teach my students. (laughs) But for whatever reason, like, yeah, that's, I love that though. That's great advice. Cause it's just more about like, let's ship it. Let's get it out there and see kind of what comes back. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, tell us then as we're now we're talking about 
YouTube, share with us kind of just high level strategies on if someone, what are the five steps if someone wanted to get started with YouTube? Yeah. So I talk about green light videos a lot. And again, if you have content that you already know perform mm-hmm. well for you, that your audience wants, get started with those topics. Otherwise, how I find green light videos, which means green obviously needs go, is go to the YouTube search bar and just type in your topic or start typing in your topic. And YouTube's going to try to predict what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Those are actual words or phrases people are searching on YouTube. Those are the topics that you should go ahead and create videos on because you know people are searching those. Get started there. The second thing is always have a video game plan prepared. It used to be called a script, but a lot of people would get wrapped up on saying the script word for word. Me too. And so that kind of pulled me back from my personality and I got more robotic. If you can just have Mm -hmm. a game plan, know what you want to say so that you save time recording. If you don't know what you're going to say, you're going to have this massive file to edit and that is no fun. Um, So you're going to take too much time recording and too much time editing. If you don't have a game plan, pick your videos, have a game plan. And then something that you also need to think about that people tend to think last, which you should probably put it between your video game, your green light videos and your video game plan is your thumbnail and your title. What a lot of people don't realize is you could have the best content ever in like a Mm. professional studio, but if people aren't clicking on it, no one's going to see it. And if people aren't clicking on it, YouTube's not going to recommend it to more people. And so if you want YouTube to do the heavy lifting for you, you've really got to formulate that thumbnail and that title first, and then make sure that video promises on that thumbnail in that title. Are there like ninja hacks on how to build the most optimized thumbnail or does it vary based on industry? Absolutely. So depending on what is your niche going to click on, because this is also going to help you filter out the wrong people. What Mm. I love about YouTube is you may not have a massive following, but you're going to have the right following. I use this example all the time. I work for a client with 500,000 YouTube subscribers. He was making about a million dollars that year. I had another YouTube channel that I work with, with 10,000 subscribers. She was making around a million dollars that year. Her niche was very specific. She stopped specific. She talked specifically to that person where the other channel was kind of like, eh, we kind of talked to all of these people. This is all the people that we help. And it just didn't convert as well as a smaller niche channel. So I think it's really going to depend on how well do you know your audience and what Mm -hmm. are they going to click on? Obviously, if you are a, let's say, you know, a male building a YouTube channel, you're going to click on a different thumbnail than what I'm putting out because I'm putting out more aesthetically pleasing, maybe more Pinteresty kind of images. Whereas when I got started on YouTube, it was dominated by men mm. and they would say saturated colors. I believe the word was unicorn rainbow <sighs> throw up, like rainbow throw up colors such like all red and your photo on it all like massive color pop and then your photo and honestly it did work at the time but as we finally get more women over on youtube Mm. and more women are using youtube now the more aesthetically pleasing thumbnails come on so you have to really understand your audience to make sure they're the ones clicking on your videos amazing advice i do have one more technical question how long would you say that it would take someone who's just starting out to create and edit 20 minute video, maybe let's say like, yeah. um, and I know it's hard to answer that specifically. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, is like from the editing process, I think, and I'm just like sharing what I'm, what I'm thinking is like when I watch it and I'm like, okay, YouTube sounds nice. And then I think about, oh my God, their videos, like they edit and they do these like 
air horns and then they do these really cool drop-ins. I'm like, oh man, like that's got to take so long. So I would just love for you to share a little bit about that. What's great about those is you can create templates and reuse them over and over again. Uh So like the subscribe button animation or, you know, the animation where you want something to slide in that can be all pre-created. If you spend time to create templates and just drop them in every single video, that's what we do with our new clients. My video editor will take the time to create all these templates in their first video. So the client can give us feedback on whether they like them or not. Then we just use them in every single video. Oh, amazing! Um, I would say time-wise, obviously, if you're spending the time to create your video game plan, you're going to save yourself a lot of time in the end. So if you take mm. the time to play in your video, it's going to take a lot less time to film it. If you film like a raw footage, 20 minute video, I would assume it may go down. So I have a client that I edit for, and she generally sends me about a 25 minute video. It will take me an hour to get it completely edited. And then an additional probably half hour to go through it and comb through it again to see, Mm. can I add something extra? Can I add this? Can I cut this out just to make sure it's the best it can be. So in the more you edit, the easier it's going to get, the more tricks you will use, the more shortcuts you will find. Mm. So when you are editing a video, think about the raw footage that you got to edit first, Mm -hmm. and then that can really help you figure out how long it's going to take. And you also got to remember that content's going to live a heck of a lot longer than writing an Instagram post. And one thing that we do here and in our agency is we use that YouTube video to come up with 10 other pieces of content. So because of a YouTube video, we then have an Instagram TV episode, Mm. a Facebook uh, video. We get quotes from it. We have Pinterest images from it. We have stories. We have a LinkedIn post, a blog post. That's what the newsletter is about. And so it takes time, but you're getting more use out of it. So you also have to kind of rethink about what you're getting out of that one video. Yeah. It's not just like a one and done that you were sharing earlier about like Instagram. When you post it, it just kind of goes down the feed and it's not like you can, well, maybe you can, and I don't know this, but I don't think you can really search photos. I I don't think so, but who knows? I'm sure that will someday become a feature or function of, of the app. So, oh my goodness, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything from your journey and just YouTube. I took a lot of notes and took a lot away from that. So thank you. And I know my listeners have as well. So I always like to end on a rapid fire round. So it's just a quick few questions. The first question I have for you is what is the most recent business book that you've read that you would recommend? I just finished up build a business that sells it's a really short one. It talks about growing a business that you can sell, like all the different elements that you need to have to make mm-hmm. it a profitable business to sell. It was a recommendation. I literally read it in a night, but I had to say that one. And I don't know if that's the right topic. Normally they're sitting right here, but that was Does by my bed. Blue on it. Yes. Built to sell. Build to sell. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll yep. put that in the show notes as well. What is the best $100 or less purchase one can make in their business? A webcam. Cause Love you can it. get webcams under hundred dollars with HD. Yes always get that camera be looking good. And then where do you get your inspiration from? That's a good one. I get it from YouTube. I like watching Mm. other entrepreneurs on YouTube, seeing what they're talking about, seeing their success, seeing some of their journeys as well, because we've been in the game for a while. So I can see different Mm. people that started. So I do, I watch a lot of YouTube. What's your favorite time management hack? brain dumping. Anytime I get stressed over everything that I have to do, I have a notebook. I think it's right here. I I pull this out. It's just a little black book. I have Mm -hmm. multiple pages of just brain dumping everything that's in my head and figuring out what do I need to do? What is the most important that's filling up my head right now? So just having a brain dump. 
so therapeutic too. Cause you can just imagine all these things leaving your brain yeah. and onto paper and like getting out of that headspace. Oh, Trina, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much. Can you share with my listeners where they can, my listeners and watchers yeah. share where they can connect with you and find out more about mm-hmm. what it is that you do? Yeah. So obviously YouTube, if you just go to trinalittle.com forward slash YouTube, you can find my channel trinalittle.com forward slash Instagram. I try to share as much behind the scenes as possible. We've been a little bit in the business recently, so I haven't been sharing as much Instagram stories, but that's literally where I go all behind the scenes with my stories. So those are kind of my two that I hang out on most frequently. Nice. Actually, as you were saying that I do have one more question. Yeah. How do you determine, do you have a different strategy for YouTube versus Instagram? And if so, how did you determine that? I don't only because I feel like I'm playing for the longer power yeah. and YouTube's going to be the longer power. One thing that I have been doing on Instagram. So we take our YouTube video and the day it goes live, we have a carousel post. And then the next day we do a reel from that video. We just chop it up and use it as real. Then the next day we do an IGTV. Mm. Then the next day we do a quote. So we have about five pieces or five posts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then every Tuesday I've been trying to make that kind of like a selfie photo or taking a more personal picture and sharing more of a story. So it's not just all Mm. informative, but as a way for people to connect with me. So that's the only way I've really been using Instagram right now, because I'd rather put the time that I have again, like onions, add the layers that you can right now. We just have the time to repurpose the YouTube video and create one special Instagram post a week. Amazing. I think that's such a good advice too. I mean, there's so many different platforms we can choose. Ultimately it comes down to like picking one, doing that really well mm-hmm. before like expanding. So awesome. Thank you so much. It's just been a pleasure and I am so excited to continue talking in the awesome. future. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to shedidherway.com where you can access the entire vault of She Did It Her Way podcast episodes. And you can also access free trainings and resources all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five. And if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.